0: People don't understand the impact, the lasting impact that getting their affairs in order has on the people that they love the most. So people think, oh yeah, that's for old people, not old enough. Or, you know, that's for sick people, I'm not sick enough. Or, that's for rich people, I'm not rich enough. Well, in terms of being old enough and sick enough, like there's no minimum qualifications for death. As soon as you're born, you're eligible for death. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be freed up to pursue your true life's purpose. And I'm so excited about this episode where we get to spend some time with our friend Don Pruchniak. You know, in episode 26 and 27, we talked all about estate planning and we walked through the legal side and some of the jargon and the important things that you need to have in place but Dawn brought to our attention some of the really practical and operational needs. The the things that when you're talking to your car mechanic, you don't necessarily care all about the fluids, but you wanna know that your car is drivable and you wanna feel comfortable and confident that when you're on the road, everything is gonna work right. And so she walked us through her personal story and helping how she helps people on a day-to-day basis, getting others ready for those practical moments with operational excellence in the area of planning for your end of life. So Dawn, welcome to the show. And if you don't mind, would you just start with a little bit of your story?
0: Well, oh, first of all, let me just tell you, I, I'm married. I have uh, just one set of triplets. I live in Crystal Lake, Illinois, which is about 45 minutes Northwest of O'Hare, about 30 minutes south of the state line of uh, Wisconsin and Illinois. And um, if you had told me 10 years ago that what I would be doing all out with a complete passion is helping people get their affairs in order to avoid unnecessary pain when a loved one passes. I would have thought, man, what a bad way to end a career. <laughs> it sounds like the boringest thing in the world. And that's when I thought all this stuff was, was completely boring until it'll be seven years ago this December. Uh, we were getting our, our kids ready for college and planning for what that was going to look like. And in December after Christmas, my husband, 25 years, collapsed, and, and he actually died. Wow. And so there I was. I I never thought a lot about my affairs. I guess I mistakenly assumed that they were in order because we had seen an estate attorney. We did have a trust. And I didn't realize there was anything more to having your affairs in order than, than doing that. Hmm. Uh, but I realized it very quickly. In fact, it was about four hours after he was pronounced dead. I was uh, awakened by a phone call. It was from the organ donation company asking me for permissions about all the different body parts they wanted to harvest and would I agree to it. And boy, that was a rude awakening. I had no idea. It's so simple on the back of your driver's license to check that box. Yes, I want to be an organ donor, but I was completely unprepared for that reality. And then I thought, you know what? I'm probably supposed to do something. I'm probably supposed to call somebody. I don't have a clue who my first phone call is. I don't have a clue what to do. And I also learned very quickly that when you have a dead guy, their employer actually stops paying them. I was completely unprepared for the phone call from the over to payment, overpayment department because my husband had been paid through the 31st of December. He died on the 29th, and I got a call saying, boy, we're so sorry your husband died, but you owe us money. Uh, We paid him, so you need to pay us back. And so the reality of trying to operate my own affairs and the fact that I couldn't because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where stuff was. I didn't know when I did find stuff, if I found everything. And once I found stuff like the trust and some financial documents, I didn't really know what they meant. I didn't have a handle on my own life to know, okay, my husband is now dead. And I know that my income is going to be this. I know that I'm not going to lose money. I know that I'm not going to bust any family relationships because things are are messy. And that's my experience. I had a very messy experience. I actually had like an A minus outcome is what my attorney says, (laughs) but the process was an F. And so I think... Managing the death of a loved one, like a spouse, is a huge enough life change to do without trying to figure out all the legal, all the financial, all the digital, uh, and making all the phone calls to get things going just takes a lot of time. And it's stressful because in the position when, when somebody has died, every transaction that you make is an emotionally loaded one. It's not, oh, I'd like to change the uh, ComEd bill uh, into my name Mm -hmm. because my husband's dead. These are hard conversations, and they're hard transactions because it it takes a long time to get all this stuff done. And on top of that, there's a pressure to get things done as quickly as possible because that dead guy's identity is now subject to identity theft and identity fraud. So you don't want to introduce any more problems than you already have after a death.
1: It gets complicated. I think, you know, when we look back and, and I was so glad when uh, you reached back out to us, Don, and said, hey, let's let's follow up and catch up on episode 26 and 27. Um, because what Leo and I were really pointing at was the the end goal. Like, hey, as long as everything turns out all right, you know, you, you save uh, the estate from going through probate or you're able to save money as you go through this process. And we looked at kind of the end result. And you're talking about that process. And it's one of those things that since I've personally never been through, uh, I couldn't even put myself in the shoes of someone going through it. And then to hear your story and to spend time with you, I mean, just hours after, you're having to make uh, really emotional decisions. When the organ donation company calls you, that's, I mean, it makes perfect sense. But it's also unbelievable to have to make those decisions in that moment when your brain is just not working, right? And you've got deadlines and pressure. And I, I had never thought about, and it's funny, it's so obvious, but your your spouse's employer stopped sending paychecks. And in your case, they even wanted some money back because they had paid for time that hadn't been worked yet. I mean, that's, <laughs> I understand there's an HR function to that, but wow, have a heart, people. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. But these are the things that people experience, And so, uh, so I just, I think it's, I think I'm so glad that we're getting into the process versus just the outcome. Cause I think that if we can work with and set up our listeners with a better process, it's going to make their life a lot easier when they deal with the passing on of a loved one.
0: Absolutely. And what I'd want to say to, well, to to men, I'd want to say one thing and to women, I'd want to say another thing of your listeners. And to men, I mean, there's so many men that that have things, at least they have things together, and they're reluctant to talk about it with the wife or to document it in such a way that any other person could could, um, use it because they think, I've got it all together. But the statistics are that 82% of the time, the husband is going to die first, Mm -hmm. period. And when you're dead, you don't get a last phone call. It's a pretty severe ending the (laughs) communications are done permanently forever and for women and this is the position that I was in I just thought this stuff was so boring I never heard it talked about in a way that seemed the least bit relevant to my life and that's a big part of what I do is helping people understand that this is the most relevant activity you could do in your entire life people get married people have children They work hard to provide for their children, to provide opportunities, to provide for great medical care. You want your kids to go to college. You want to have a tight family. You want to enjoy each other. And all of that investment can be undone, completely undone, by not having your affairs in order when you're the dead guy. It's one of those things. You do it for other people. For yourself, I suppose, when you're about to be the dead guy, When you know for sure that your affairs are in order, you can die peacefully knowing I have done everything I could to possibly provide for a successful outcome for my family to continue on in relationship and not put any stumbling blocks in front of them. When I talk, I meet people every day when I tell them what I do. Hey, I help people get their affairs in order so that they can avoid unnecessary pain when a loved one dies. For people that have experienced it, man, there's so much pain that comes out. I, told you, I just talked to a guy last week who was telling me his brother died and he was on the hunt for a safe deposit box. Literally, it took him 90 days of going to <laughs> different banks to find the safe deposit box. And guess what? When he found it, there was nothing in it. Ugh. I mean, there, it's a wild goose chase or a treasure hunt to find things. Um, Judy and her family, four adult siblings, the dad had been gone for quite a while The mom dies and and had said, you know what, I've got this life insurance policy. It will cover all my expenses when I'm gone. Except that no one knew what the name of the company was, the policy number, um, (laughs) where it was. So guess what? All the expenses of that woman's passing were now was a business relationship put on the sibling relationship. And most sibling relationships are not strong enough (laughs) to manage a business relationship and it just wreaks havoc and things like distribution strategies or errors. It's so easy to have errors in your plan. And so if you don't know what you have and that it makes sense, you don't know how to interpret all this data to know that, Hey, this is a really good plan. It makes sense. It's probably not a good plan and it probably doesn't make sense. And somebody's going to pay a heavy price maybe for the rest of their lives going into generations of grandkids not knowing each other and just really splitting families apart forever. It's a really powerful thing to do.
2: Absolutely. Well, Don, I know that you're passionate about this because primarily because you had to go through it, and you realized the pain that you had to endure and the difficulty of trying to set your house in order after your husband's passing. And you wrote a book, which is an excellent book, by the way. I've loved reading this book and just seeing how practical you've laid this thing out. So I think our listeners will really benefit from it. So the book is The Best Gift is Your Last Gift, How to Organize Your Affairs to Protect Those You Love Most. And you used a kind of an analogy or system by using drawers to help people understand how to actually put this plan in place. Because there are reasons why people don't do this. We know the statistics that a majority of people don't have a will or a trust. And if they do have it, it's a very basic will that really doesn't help very much. So I would love for us to to kind of dive into that, uh, share as much as your story, because I think that's part of what our, I hope will motivate our listeners to listen to to the reason why this is important. This is all good stuff that we need to do, but unless we have a why, which you absolutely do, I'd love for you to continue to share that to help our listeners understand the importance of this. We communicated through our episode 26 that it's important, but you're one that's lived it. We talked about it as a, hey, this is something you need to do. It's like a financial transaction that you really need to be prepared for, but you speak of it from a totally different perspective. So I'd love for you to start unpacking some of this And start with, why don't people do it? What's what's holding people up from doing this?
0: Well, people think of this activity as an end-of-life activity. And I say, no, end-of-life, that's a cotton swab in the mouth, and that's a shot of morphine in the arm. Mm. And this really doesn't affect dead people. Getting your affairs in order only affects people who are actually alive. I'm always amazed (laughs) when I tell my story, And I talk about all the horrible things that happened and how stressful it was and how much fear I lived with for an entire year. For me, it was before everything was settled. And they go, oh, yeah, end of life. I'm like, I'm alive. This has affected me and I'm alive and I'm going to be alive until I'm dead. I, I think I'll probably be around for another 30, 35, 40 years. And people don't understand the impact, the lasting impact that getting their affairs in order has on the people that they love the most. Mm-hmm. So people think, oh, yeah, that's for old people, I'm not old enough. Or, you know, that's for sick people, I'm not sick enough. Or that's for rich people, I'm not rich enough. Right. Well, in terms of being old enough and sick enough, like there's no minimum qualifications for death. As soon as mm-hmm. you're born, you're eligible for
1: death. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> when a... you get sick, it's a really hard project to tackle. When you're sick, you're probably busy just trying to get well. You're, I mean, when you're sick, you don't even paint your family room or something like that, you're not going to tackle your affairs. It's you're trying to survive.
2: Right.
0: And people think, oh, you know, Rich, you know, here's a couple interesting statistics. If, you're, if your estate is worth over $100,000, which is pretty easy to do, and you have only a will, your estate will go through probate. And back in the 80s, you know, we didn't have as much money as we have now. So most people are in the probate category unless they mitigate it with a different tool like a trust, mm-hmm. but also in the old days, I mean, there weren't IRAs, there weren't or qualified in, um, investment plans that only came about in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us boomers didn't grow up thinking about beneficiaries and managing things. And it's complicated, but it doesn't have to be complicated right. because like the analogy, David, that you used about the engine mechanic, that's what turns most people off about seeing an attorney about seeing a financial planner because those people are like the engine mechanics speak of their respective disciplines, yeah. which that's important stuff. But for somebody who just wants to know at a high level, how does this stuff operate? How do my financials have anything to do with my legals? And that's a really hard thing for people to understand because of how the industry operates. And so to put all that stuff together so that at a high level, you can know you're going to be okay if your spouse died today. It's, it's not going to send you out of your house. It's not going to send you to court. You're not going to be spending out of po- money out of pocket or worse, not getting money into your pocket that you thought would flow. So the analogy I use is getting dressed. Everybody gets <laughs> dressed. Everybody Makes has sense. a wardrobe system. You guys are dressed. I'm I'm dressed dressed
1: today. I put clothes on just for the record, for the listeners.
0: (laughs) And I bet every single listener is is dressed as well. And I bet it took less than five minutes. You decided, you know, that you needed underwear and pants and a shirt and a belt and a sweater and shoes and socks and jewelry and boom, you're you're ready to go. And so I, I think if you know what your legacy wardrobe looks like, well, then you can get the broad categories. And think about it at a high level so that you don't get stuck in the weeds of the nuts and the holes and the things that really are important to somebody else but not really important to you. Right. And so if you think of a a dresser that has eight drawers, the system I've created has drawers one through eight. Hmm. And it's an easy seven steps. The eighth drawer is the accumulation of all the things that you've already done. And it's a way to start to learn what the broad categories are. Um, Now I'm remarried. And uh, my husband is 11 and a half years older than me, and he's a male. And so I believe it, 82% chance I'm going to become a widow again. Mm. And I will never, ever be in the position that I was before of being clueless about how to manage my life. Yeah. And I bet still once a week, I'll tick through the the seven and eight drawers to think, okay, if Rich died today, I know what my income is. I know what my expenses are. I know how things are organized. I know exactly how my life is going to go on. And then I'll just be dealing with grief, which is a big thing to deal with. Oh
2: yeah. And,
0: but I'll just be doing grief, which, which feels like a gift because it is a gift to just do grief and not all the business side of things.
2: Yeah. yeah. And
0: so, yeah, I make it easy at a high level to understand why these things affect your life and why you care. Why you care is because you still have to live. You still need money to live and you still want to be in relationships. And yeah. if you don't have money to live, like most widows live in poverty, like that's a really bad ending to a life and it's completely unnecessary. Right.
1: Yeah, I'm amazed because uh, I, w- I was able to help put together a legacy conference here locally and uh, we were able to serve a couple thousand people with the content and the ideals behind it. And I was talking to some of the sponsors of the conference and one of them was a legacy and estate planning law firm. And, and for the most part, law firms don't have an incentive to go beyond just the legal side of it. You know, they can set up the documents, they can set up the, the living trust, they can make sure the will is in place, they can make sure the power of attorney is set up, the pour over will so it goes into the trust. I mean, they can do all the detailed legal side but they don't get paid to then spend time funding the trust and then spend time walking through the emotional battles that you're going to fight when the passing actually happens and to help fill these drawers. And so what you're doing is you are providing a huge service because you're you're taking people through this book and and I love the book and these drawers and saying, "Look, you know, is there anything in this drawer?" And if not, maybe you should put something in there. <laughs> yeah, let's make sure that that drawer is taken care of. And it's step by step, methodical. The process is simple so that when you get there, like you said, you avoid as much pain as physically possible, and, and it's just an interesting area because there's not a lot of people who have a vested interest in making sure this works well for you. Even people that you pay, even professionals, most of the time don't have a vested interest in making sure that your process works great for you. And so it's important that every person take the time to learn this, not just for themselves, but for their loved ones. And and as soon as I began going through your book and spending time on this, I began going to my parents and saying, okay, how do we do this process together? Because I want to understand what you want. I want to understand what the desire of your heart is uh, for this process when it comes one day. And I want to make sure that that your wishes are fulfilled and that, that the family that you want taken care of is taken care of. And the ministries or charities that you want to pour into are poured into, because I want your legacy to be served well going beyond just your passing. And so I just, this is such a, an unmet need, and I love that we're taking the time to go through this. Um, so one of the things that I noticed as I began this journey is just that there's a really difficult time of discovering kind of what you have and where it is. Uh, there's there's literally like, okay, I know I need to plan for this. I know I have a lot of stuff, but I need to take time to figure out what that stuff is. And not just physical things, but like really practical things like the deed to your house and your 403B or your 401k and your IRA and, and where that goes. So so Don, walk us through a little bit of that, just discovery process.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny how we accumulate things through our whole life, and because we're not thinking that this all needs to be together, because someday, when we're the dead guy, uh, where you start is you have as the surviving guy, the life guy, to get any benefits or to have, to have any of the things that you've planned for work. You actually have to call each of the companies that hold each of these. I hate the word assets because it still is kind of a technical term. So I want to just talk about anything that you own. We think of having things, but we actually own them. So when you have an IRA or 401k or a life insurance policy, whatever, you're the owner. And when you're the dead guy, you want to pass it off to somebody else who's not the owner. And because that's who you're going to provide for. And so step one of my program is creating your master list of assets, because those are the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth phone calls you'll be making, because your income is going to stop on a dime. And the only way you're going to get any benefit is by actually contacting these companies. And they're going to send you a package, and you're going to have to send, fill out this package and send a death certificate. And that can take in my case, when my husband died, he was an IBMer. That's where I met him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a backlog of dead IBMers at the time. They said it's going to be sixty to ninety days before this gets processed. Wow. <laughs> sixty to ninety days. Fortunately, I had a stash of cash that saw me through. But if I didn't, I would I would have been calling people, dialing for dollars, asking for help. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a big. You'd have no idea how long it's going to take. So to know, I have. You know, I have one thing, I have three things, I have 10 things. I'm working now with a client who has about 40 things. Wow. So that's 40 different things to track down and make sure that things are going to work right. And, and one of the easiest mistakes to make and one of the things that nobody talks about is that you and only you alone are responsible for the beneficiary or the titling or who, who's going to get stuff. Because usually these things are filled out in non-estate planning situations, like starting a new job, you're going through HR, you you think you remember how to get back to your desk, but you're not sure. You hope you remember where the bathroom is, and you're wondering, is somebody going to go out to lunch with me, or am I going to be sitting by myself at my desk? And then you're filling out this paperwork about who's the beneficiary of whatever the plans are that they're offering, maybe a life insurance policy or a 401k, and whatever, you, you write it out. And so you never go back. You never know was that form even filled out correctly? Mm. You have no idea where it is, and part of my experience, the most painful part of my experience, besides it's hard to say the most painful because it was so painful, but beyond not knowing what I had and where it was, and then finding it and not having a clue what it meant, was then finding out that my name was not on papers that should have been on.
2: Mm.
0: My husband's first wife died of a brain aneurysm at age thirty five We married. And then we were married for 25 years and it never occurred to him or to me to do a beneficiary review. And so did he mean to cause me pain? No, I, don't, I no, of course not. Hmm. But my name was not on documents and people's names were on documents that my name should have been on. And so that's the kind of thing that can cause hurt feelings. Everybody has their own view of, oh, this was meant to be versus, oh, this is a mistake.
2: Right. Wow. And
0: that's that's one of the easiest ways for families to get blown up and their innocent mistakes. For instance, maybe one of you even got uh, a life insurance policy as a young person, perhaps before you were married, just starting to do your plan. Maybe you listed a brother or your parents as a beneficiary. Well, then you get married and then you have kids and life gets busy and goes on. And let's say you're the dead guy and never went back to revisit those documents. I have worked with people, women that... They'll look, now, my husband has a life insurance policy, but his brother's going to get the money, not me or my family.
2: Hmm.
0: You know, nobody means to do that. But also nobody in the industry talks about how just because you fill it out doesn't mean it's filled out properly. Uh, my husband had a 401k. I got the number. I applied for the, the benefits package. And uh, I get four letters in the mail one to each of my kids and me. And I thought, I don't know what this means, but I'm pretty sure it's not gonna be good. (laughs) And the beneficiary form had been not filled out correctly. All four of our names were on that first line as primary, which Mm. means here I was at 55 years old, three quarters of the money that we had worked together to save for retirement, I would have only 25%. Mm. Now things worked out for me, my kids were 18 years old which means that they had a legally disclaim it back to me, which means I had to hire an attorney. What if what if I didn't have a good relationship with my kids? One yeah. of them could have said, forget it. <laughs> forget it. And just yeah. like that, there's no recourse whatsoever. Yeah. It's frightening. Yeah. I went through a lot of frightening things and it's it's so not worth it. I mean, it's kind of a pain in the butt to go and collect all this stuff, but it's the same thing that somebody's going to do after you're dead. And so, it's important to correct things and know that the information you have is correct. It's easy to assume. I've seen the estate attorney. I paid four grand for a trust, and then I get uh, my documents in the mail, and what? There's a letter on the top that says, "Thank you for your business, and by the way, you're responsible for funding your trust." And in section J. Of this three inch binder you'll find out exactly how to do it and people say to me all the time well wait i I paid the attorney do i have to actually do something because once you pay that check and you're done you think i am done but there's a lot of people with trust that are absolutely worthless because there's absolutely nothing inside of it so anyway back to my my first form which um it's so smart because not only do you list all of your assets and you list the phone number, and you list the policy number or the account number, but you're all gonna also going to list in the last column who are the beneficiaries, who is this thing titled to. So at a glance, you can see all of your assets, who they're going to go to, if they're in a trust, if they're not in a trust, and then all of a sudden, you can actually have an intelligent conversation with an estate attorney or a financial planner or a CPA to do some tax planning, you know, I I don't have this particular asset in my trust. What are the pros and cons of doing it? The things like a quali- or IRAs, stuff like that. There's a difference in philosophy about what should go in and what shouldn't go in. But at least you can have that kind of a conversation and know whether it's in or not, what is it going to mean for the people that are left behind?
1: Hmm.
0: And we don't think about, we, we focus so much on the dead guy and, Oh, you know, I'm going to miss you and all that stuff, and that's true. But it's a slap in the face after that guy dies to deal with all the things that have to be dealt with that you're not prepared for. And so, being prepared is is the best gift you can give to yourself and to your family.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, being prepared is so crucial to literally giving the best gift, uh, your last gift, to your loved ones. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode but we are grateful that you joined us for this episode. And if you liked and enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to review and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your Android device, so that more people can find and benefit from the content that we produce every week. If you have any questions, we would love for you to connect with us through Facebook, through Instagram, through any social media, or even through the website, and let us know how we may serve you better. You can also find the show notes to this episode and more content and resources at leosebo.com. We look forward to having you join us next time, so that together we, we can keep, keep getting, getting money right.
0: I bet still once a week, I'll tick through the the seven and eight drawers to think. Okay, if Rich died today, I know what my income is. I know what my expenses are. I know how things are organized. I know exactly how my life is going to go on.